Welcome on in to the Cats Corner Podcast, Episode 5, the Daily Northwestern Sports Podcast. My name is Max Gelman. With me this week are Bobby Pilati and Tim Bach. How's it going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Going well. Going well. We got, uh, got ourselves a Northwestern win on Saturday, finally. defeating Duke. Uh, Northwestern finally off the schneid, uh, moving to 1-2. and two. Um, Pretty decent performance all around, I would say. Yeah, I think it was... Decent but uneven. Very similar in a lot of ways to what we saw week one and two, with one big exception, which was the big offensive play. So Thorson had the big throw to Dickerson in the first quarter for 26 yards to draw, to cap off the Cats' opening drive, and then there were a couple other big plays as the game went on, obviously, the throw to Vault for 43 yards and the touchdown, and then the fourth quarter throw to Austin Carr. So I think that was what separated this week from previous weeks and was what allowed the Wildcats to get the win. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm certainly excited to see them win, to see that W in the win column. But uh, I I have to keep in mind too that Duke might actually be the worst team that they've played thus far. Um, you know, I think they played Western Michigan a lot closer. Uh, yeah, they came out of this game with a win, but basically they had three long touchdowns, and that was the offense. Um, you know, the Duke defense was just blitzing all day long, and uh, the Cats just caught a couple lucky breaks with uh, some long pass plays. Um, so uh, a decent performance, but um, definitely still a lot of room to improve before the team uh, heads into Big Ten play uh, this upcoming weekend. You'd say Illinois State was better than Duke? Uh, you know, I think uh, if Illinois State played Duke, that'd be a very close game, yeah. I'm going to go on record and say that Duke is better than Illinois State. Okay, <laughs> Tim disagrees. All right, so we got a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, first thing is that Northwestern is or appears to be moving away from their traditional ground-and-pound offense of the past couple seasons. Uh, they have the big running back. They have Justin Jackson, who was third in the nation in carries last year with 312, only behind Ezekiel Elliott of Ohio State and one other running back whose name escapes me right now. But uh, over the past two games, uh, Clayton Thorson has thrown 80 passes, he threw 41 against Illinois State, which was a career high, and 39 against Duke, which was his second most ever behind the 41. Just Is it a byproduct of what Northwestern's offense is seeing with defenses stacking the box, like uh, Coach Fitzgerald said today in the press box, or is it something with the play calling or something else? Well, I think it's, sorry, I think it's interesting that Fitz keeps saying that it's sort of a response to what opponents are doing. He's, he's noted that teams are stacking the box, um, forcing Northwestern to pass, and yes, that's true, and yes, Northwestern's responding to that, but all of last year, teams were doing the same thing, and they kept running the ball. So, I do think there's an evolution going on. I don't know what you think, Bobby. Uh, yeah, Tim, I, I think I agree with that. Um, teams are stacking the box. I think the difference from this year compared to last year is that the team uh, really can't block, uh, and for as bad as we thought the offensive line was a year ago, uh, it looks to have, have gotten worse. It's still really struggling this season. Um, Fitzgerald said as much today during the press conference that the blocking just isn't there. And, you know, they try to get Jackson going, um, and and they just can't. Um, so I think that's why they're throwing more. Frankly, I think it's a good thing. You know, I'd, I'd much rather see them try a bunch of passes and maybe get lucky over, you know, three two-yard runs and a punt. Um, but, yeah, I think it's much more of a... They're throwing so much with Thor- Thorson um, because they have to, not because they want to. Right. I also thought that the offensive line though certainly not great against Duke, was much improved from Illinois State. Uh, would you Horrible guess? against Illinois State, absolutely. Um, Duke just seemed to bring the house, like on, on defense with the blitzes. Right. 
but I think I think you're correct. Um, the offensive line was better, but given the way they played against Illinois State, um, again, plenty of room for improvement. Yeah, and that uh, that offensive line play is certainly showing up in the box score. Over its first three games, Northwestern is only averaging 2.8 yards per rushing attempt. Uh, that includes Jackson, Warren Long, even though he only ran for one play, Austin Anderson, John Moten. Um, but moving to Clayton Thorson now, now that he's being asked to throw more, we haven't seen we haven't seen sort of like him being more efficient than last year with this extra responsibility. I think Bobby, you brought it up during the Duke game, where uh, Clayton Thorson, he's including the Duke game, he's thrown for under fifty, or he's completed less than fifty percent of his passes in ten out of sixteen career games, and in an eleventh, he only completed fifty percent. Uh, we saw that again against Duke, eighteen to thirty-nine, two interceptions. Uh, what did you see from Thorson that needs to be improved? Yeah, you know, I think. With Clayton, um, you know, other than perhaps better blocking up front, buying a little more time, um, he really, I think, still looks a pretty jittery in the pocket. Um, he had this prop. This uh, this was a major problem for him last season was was exiting the pocket too early in the face of pressure. He's gotten better. I think he still needs to stay in there a little bit more. He said as much after the game Saturday. You know, I just got to stay in there, take a hit, and and make a hit, uh, throw to find my guys downfield. So number one is just kind of keeping a, a slightly cooler head. Um, under pressure because when he is escaping the pocket and trying to run he's really not getting far so he needs to stay in there and, and make a throw I think the other thing too is um, you know a lot of his reads Thorson just locks right in on the receiver he wants to throw to um, doesn't look anywhere else in the entire play and um, you know I think defenses are going to start to key in on that it's going to show up on tape that you know when Thorson looks this way he's going to throw that way um, so I think just uh, and that, that goes back to just, just you know, offensive play calling to making sure that it, it's mixed up and and uh, giving Thorson an opportunity to find different guys, but he's got to realize, too, that you know sometimes you have to look off that extra defender to uh, give your guy the one-on-one matchup he needs to get open. I think Bobby's right about hanging in there, and uh, C.J. Bechet agrees as well, as, as he voiced that on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I would say um, he is like looking down like too long. But, like, we also saw him complete, like, three really long passes for scores against Duke, right? They had, like, the 50, was it 56 yards, 58 yards to Austin Carr, 44 to Vault, and then 26 to Dickerson, right. something like that. Um, now, that accounted for about half of his passing yards against Duke, right? He had the career-high uh, 320 passing yards against... About 40% came from those three throws. Yeah, so... Um, it's... Uh, Still a ways to go for Thorson, I think, but I think there's been progress over last year. Um, whether or not he'll continue to improve remains to be seen. He's already thrown for almost half as many passing yards as developed last year, so that's a... Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think there is definitely progress, and uh, you know, to be fair to Thorson, I'll, I'll point out some of the things he's really done well. Um, we've seen this play run already maybe five, six, seven times this year, sort of five to ten yard out um, to Austin Carr. Um, Thorson throws that ball so well. It's clear that he and Austin have practiced that so much um, over the offseason. And that, like, you know, anytime they need a, a big, you know, 7 to 10 yard pickup, they're running that out to Austin Carr. He gets great separation. Thorson puts the ball uh, right on the sideline where only his guy can get it. Um, that's a great job between those two guys. And I think shows that, um, you know, Thorson will get better with a little bit more maturity and also just more time um, to practice with his guys. And there are moments when you realize he has a great arm. 
that throw to Dickerson in the first quarter was a beautiful throw. Absolutely. And then I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Austin Carr is the uh, leading receiver in the Big Ten. Northwestern has a go-to wide receiver. Yes, he's, he's on pace for uh, Northwestern's first 1,000-yard receiving season since Jeremy Ebert back in 2011. Uh, so certainly interesting times for uh, Northwestern's offense. Uh, he's got, let me just add this up here, 24 catches with two touchdowns, and it looks about like around 300 receiving yards this year, which I think Northwestern's leading receiver, Dan Vitale, had 330 yards in all of yep. 2015. So, uh, uh, to uh, borrow uh, or to quote Fitz today in the uh, um, presser, I've got the leading receiver in the Big Ten. I've got great confidence. That's a great quote right there. (laughs) (laughs) Fitz very lively today in the press conference. Uh, But now let's shift towards the defense a little bit. Um, Duke... It's basically a one-dimensional offense at this point. Um, they're and that one dimension is not great. And that one dimension is <laughs> not great. Uh, <laughs> their dual threat quarterback was injured at the beginning of the season. Thomas Sirk out for out for the year with an Achilles with the third Achilles rupture. Um, Daniel Jones stepping in as a backup, and Northwestern secondary really only had Godwin Iguibuke as like going into the season. He's the only projected starter. They had Matthew Harris out. Um, they had uh, Keith Watkins out, who's out for the year, and then, um, who am I missing? Oh, Kyle Caro. Kyle Caro, he's also out. Um, so I'll start with you, Tim, on this one. Uh, Montre Hardage and Trey Williams, both two very inexperienced cornerbacks. They Now with the Duke game, they have four starts combined between the two of them over the past three games, which is their only starts in their careers. How have they? What have they been doing so well against Duke? I thought they they hung in there well. Um, uh, Trey Williams making his first start um, really um, gave up a big pad there on on the outside, and Duke exploited that a little bit. But on the whole, I thought the the secondary was good. Godwin was Godwin. He had the pick. <laughs> he called the pick. He got the pick. Um, I don't think Duke's probably the most challenging passing attack. Duke wants to, to sort of dunk the ball down the field. Um, and in Northwestern bent a bit. Duke had, what, like 400 yards of offense? They had just under 400. I believe it was um, 396. But yeah, 396. I mean, if they were plenty good enough um, to give the offense a chance to win. They got off the field better than they had in the first couple of weeks, so they got those stops. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this was a, a week where, um, you know, Fitz kind of laughs at all of us in the media because there was some chatter, you know, Wow, the depth is getting really thin. Wow, are they going to move Marcus McShepard back to cornerback? And uh, depth showed up on Saturday. Um, definitely a, a great performance from um, a lot of those young guys. Uh, but, Tim, to your point, I think you're right. Um, definitely not the stiffest challenge. Um, things are going to get much, much harder next week um, against Nebraska. They've got a very experienced quarterback in Tommy Armstrong Jr., uh, dual threat guy, can run, can pass. And, um, probably one of the best receivers in the Big Ten uh, in Jordan Westerkamp, um, a guy who has demonized Northwestern in the past. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they you know, stick with their, their more common zone schemes or if they really want to keep uh, one of their top guys shadowing Westerkamp the whole game. I would expect the, or I would suggest that the whole defensive secondary tweet, thanks for the INT, before the game, 
so that they can get a few picks. Yeah, I think they'll need it. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern's defense, uh, very good last year. I think through the first three games, it's safe to say that it's taken a bit of a step back this year, um, giving up an average of about 395 yards per game. That's well above last year's average. Um, but the the secondary has stepped up well, I thought, with Harris gone, Van Hoos, Nick Van Hoos graduated, Travion Henry graduated. This is an, an entirely different unit for the most part. And we just learned after the Duke game that Anthony Watford's been hurt. Yeah. So their best defensive player has been hurt. That's going to impact performance as well. Yeah, so um, like you guys both said, all the teams are going to get better. Like They face their three easiest opponents so far. Well, three of their four. Counting Purdue. Right. Um, Illinois? <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. Western Michigan trounced Illinois this weekend. So, um, But, yeah, uh, things ha- are starting to look up for the Wildcats after two very heartbreaking losses. Um, now I guess uh, we can talk a little bit about Nebraska itself. The, the game plan against Duke was the heavy dosage. Well, it seemed to be running the ball early, and then it shifted towards more passing attack later in the game. I think Justin Jackson had 70 rushing yards in the first quarter and then 20 for the rest of the game. Um, what can we expect to see against the Cornhuskers? Yeah, so this was uh, you know a big talking point last year of um, at the time going into that game. You know, Nebraska had a pretty good run defense and an awful pass defense, so it was sort of a are they going to stick with Jackson, or, or is Thorson actually going to get a chance to uh, make some plays? Um, Thorson ended up being the guy, I thought, that really contributed um, to winning that game on offense. Um, he had a great throw um, to Dan Vitale in that game for a touchdown, a big run down the sideline for about 50 yards. Um, so it was Thorson and not Jackson in that game that really made the difference. Um, and I think it's going to be more of the same this week. Um, you know, Duke, Illinois State, Western Michigan have all given the blueprint for how to really slow down that Northwestern rushing attack. Uh, really get to that offensive line and really get to Thorson. Um, I think it's going to be more the same, and I think they're going to have a hard time again uh, moving the ball on the ground. They're also probably going to be playing from behind. Um, so I think not a lot of Jackson and uh, much more Thorson, much more throwing this week. I think that's about right, but I wouldn't guarantee that Northwestern will be playing behind. I think North Nebraska might come out a little shaky after the big win to Oregon, a little bit of a trap game situation. Okay. Can we expect to see people stacking the box again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Northwestern, or rather, Justin Jackson is not going to see a seven-man box until Thorson can, you know, complete more than half his passes. Uh, I think that's going to continue all season long. Uh, Jackson is still the most dangerous player on the, the offense. Every other team knows that. They're going to keep game planning for him first and Thorson second. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll just about do it for us on the Cats Corner Podcast. Uh, Tim Baugh, Bobby Pilati, I'm Max Gellman. Thank you all so much for listening.